Hello again out there. Welcome back to another episode of the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, where we believe that the best idea wins, and we are here to help you generate a whole lot of good ideas. Uh, to do so, we bring on smart people uh, like my guest today, Jennifer Shushanian from BDR, and we're going to talk all about service calls, ways to maximize your service call by, uh, by offering extra services, uh, ways that you can get the most out of each one of those service calls, because we know that there's always more to be made out there, always more stuff to be offered to the to the homeowner in regards to value. So super excited to dive into all of that. Jennifer, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you, Eric? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm really excited to, to be recording with you today. I think this is the second time we've had BDR on the show, and it's always really good information, great value-packed information. So I'm really excited to dig in uh, and chat with you for a little bit. Uh, before we dive in, I wanted to tell all of our listeners out there about a few new things that we got going on here. Uh, I know you can't see this uh, if you're listening to this, but I'm currently flipping a, an ebook that we have just finished writing. It's a 20-page ebook. I'm holding a printed copy of it, so Technically, this, I'm not holding an ebook, but there is an ebook that will be available shortly. Uh, to get access to this, head over uh, to our Facebook group. Just go on Facebook and type in Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, and you will find our Facebook group. Join the group. It's in there for free, 20 pages, everything you need to know about hiring a marketing agency. All the questions you should be asking, the things, just general basics of how digital marketing works so that when you go into the conversation, uh, you're well-informed, you know what to look for, you know what not to look for, uh, and you can make an informed buying decision. And then also we have recently released a marketing checklist for free as well. So if you join the group, you can get access to the checklist, um, all the basic points that you should be covering with your online marketing. So hopefully it's a lot of value for you guys. Um, like I said, it's completely free. So head over to the Facebook group and, uh, and come claim your copy of it. All right, Jennifer, now that I've gotten all of the uh, unpaid sponsorships out of the way, <laughs> let's go ahead and dig in. So Jennifer, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for our listeners out there and, and tell them all about yourself and all the great things you're doing at BDR. Okay, I can do that. Um, I have actually been with BDR for almost 20 years now. I started in the industry in 1991 and I worked for a heating and air conditioning company in Portland, Oregon. You might say that's where I cut my teeth in our industry. Uh, uh, prior to that, I um, was a co-owner of a plumbing business where we did primarily new construction. So um, life went through some changes and I um, ventured into the HVAC world and it's been amazing. Um, I can't believe I've been in, in it for almost 20 years now. So I've uh, worked for that HVAC company for 13 years. They're located in Portland, Oregon. And then uh, we I joined with BDR in 2003. So since 2003, um, I've taught training classes all across the United States. I am a service coach. So I specialize in service coaching. So training classes all across the United States, whether they be on site with dealers, um, at distribution, and also through our own uh, BDR university classes. And I've worked um, from during that time, uh, service departments all across the United States. I also coach them directly one-on-one, -on -one, anywhere from three technicians to 80 technicians. So I've had an opportunity to work one-on-one -on -one with many service departments since my time as an actual service manager. Awesome. Throughout your time as a service manager, what is, what's like the most unique thing you've seen or the most just like out of the ordinary thing you've seen while coaching a service department? You know, that's a loaded question. 
Um, do you mean unique good or uh, unique as in, wow, that's something we definitely need to look at as far as industry trends? For the sake of humor and possible uh, education, let's look at the uh, the not good. Well, I, I would say at this point, um, things don't surprise me anymore. Um, what I see the most often right, most often right now is uh, underpriced memberships. And so at BDR, we'd be, we believe you're in a, a business to make a profit every single mm -hmm. day. And underpricing those memberships or maintenance agreements is not something that fits within our uh, business philosophy. And so this is an industry trend that goes up and down. And sometimes I think the most surprising to me is where I'll see where memberships are actually priced and how much money dealers are losing um, in efforts to um, grab new customers as a marketing technique, but then they'll do work for them for years and years and years and not get the upside of it. So mm -hmm. that's that's the, the one that is the most alarming to me is I just didn't, I wasn't uh, brought up in this industry to believe that you should do work uh, to and lose money. And so for me, that was the biggest surprise. <laughs> yeah. Is that why would we do why would we do the work? We do an excellent job at what we do. We provide a very valuable service. Why wouldn't we charge for that? Mm -hmm. And so that was a really hard thing, especially when I started coming into the coaching uh, arena, um, where that was what I was the most surprised at. Yeah, that's something we've heard a lot on the show this year, you know, because Inflation is trickling down to everyone. So everyone's needing to raise their prices. How do you communicate that to the homeowner? You know, there's um, there's a lot of ways in which you communicate to the homeowner. One, you don't necessarily say, hey, costs are going up and we're raising our price. Uh, before, I always look at how a company is operating. So let's say on a membership, you know, their memberships, for example, I want to make sure that they're delivering the value of the service that's being performed and and making sure that we're doing a good quality maintenance. And that translates to not just maintenance, but when we perform service and repairs and how our customer service level is. So if we can provide a high level of service, that'll put us in a better position to be able to charge what we need to charge to be profitable. Mm -hmm. And so when you're communicating that to the homeowner, it's, it's the little things along the way that shows the value that you bring to them. Um, now, when it comes to memberships, if we move back to that, a lot of that has to do with many dealers haven't raised their prices in several years. And, and so we'll communicate that to them, but maybe we provide some additional benefits and resources for them, um, not just raise their price. And so I try to work through price increases by the value that we bring, um, you know, and also the service that we that we perform. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I was talking to a mentor of mine recently who was <clears throat> kind of saying the same thing. Like when you when you raise your price, you don't ever just say, "Oh, we're raising our prices because we want to make more money." Well, yeah, we mm -hmm. all want to make more money, but you need to add value to really sell the price increase because. And like you said, you can't just be like, oh, sorry, the cost of our CRM has gone up. Sorry, the cost of this dealer vendorship has gone up. So now I have to raise my prices for you. But if you can come back to them and say, you know, there's a, you know, a 3% increase in this. And the reason we're doing that is because we've got 
X or Y new service offering or tool or whatever to help you, um, you know, improve your comfort, your energy savings, all that stuff. Well, and to, you know, um, just the times that we're living in right now, um, more and more consumers are getting used to the fact that costs are going up. So, you know, all of our costs are increasing businesses mm -hmm. and in a personal level, whether you go to the grocery store, or you're buying gas or you're buying a vehicle or whatever it might be. So um, we're all feeling that. And it's a, if you have to raise pricing, now's the time where it's going to be a little more acceptable because we've, we're in an environment where all of our costs are increasing. Everyone yeah. is seeing it. There's no secret there. Yeah, absolutely. So when we're talking about like service calls and adding extra value to the service call, um, you know, what are some things that you coach your, um, your contractors on? Well, uh, so first thing I want to look at is their service delivery. So when they go to the home or the place of business is do they appear professional? Do they look professional? So all the outward pieces, the, you know, uh, well-groomed um, professional uniforms, vans that look clean and painted and well-marked, identified. And then how do we approach the customer? So that before you can even start talking to them, you've got to look like the professionals that we are. So service delivery, all the way from, you know, where they pull up in the driveway to how they approach the customer, to how they present the repairs and those pieces. So you look at the overall service delivery, because if we don't have a, a strong service delivery, trying to talk to them about the different offerings and products and services that we have available isn't going to be well received. They're going to want you in and out as quickly mm -hmm. as possible. So service delivery is key. And then um, the coaching and training of the technicians and how, how we get them to be able to start having a dialogue with, with the homeowner on the different products and services that we have. Yeah. So what, what does that dialogue look like? You know, if it's a AC repair job and they're going to offer, you know, a different service, mm -hmm. uh, what does that dialogue or that conversation kind of look like? Well, I'd like to back up first. So before we before we have the technician speak to um, whether it's a, a plumbing technician, an electrical technician or HVAC, before that, I want to start back with our team and make sure that we've created the culture uh, in a way that ensures that all of the team members are properly trained on the products and services that we have that we have available this way when they see the opportunity or they hear the opportunity, it's natural for them to speak to it, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so we start with the dispatchers and CSRs by asking questions and listening for triggers over the phone. If they hear something about power outages being in their area, or they've heard about, they've heard that there's a health concern in the home with asthma, allergies, those type of things, that it gives them the opportunity to say, oh, you know, uh, you might be interested in hearing about this product. Our technician can speak to you more about it. How about I go to I go ahead and send you some information on it to review with the technician? It might go further than that. They might be interested beforehand. But if I'm going to introduce it, I want to start out to make sure that the entire company is geared towards educating the customer. Mm -hmm. So we believe in inform, offer, and then educate. And if we're really good at the educating, 
then it, we give the customer a choice. So once the technician moves into the home and they're going in there for, let's say, an air conditioning repair, and I want to teach them to look for triggers and ask open-ended questions. So if a great example would be if they walked into the home and they the home had an odor to it, a musty smell, or they walked into the home and, and they saw hardwood floors or a lot of woodwork, depending on the area in which they live. I want them to be observant to those type of things. Or if they saw, um, let's say a portable um, air cleaner, those are all great ways to open up the discussion on how's that portable air cleaner working for you? Or, um, they go to the thermostat and they th see an old antiquated thermostat asking questions. Hey, are you happy with how this thermostat is working for you? So they can go in and ask different type of things or they see an inhaler laying on the counter, you know, um, oh, who in the home suffers from allergies or asthma? It, I didn't say, you know, does anyone, maybe who? And then that opens up the discussion. Oh, I'd love to uh, share some information with you about that after I take a look at your system. So mm -hmm. I wanted to go in and introduce the idea, maybe have a brochure or something that either they distribute digitally or in person to just open up what's available. So that would be the starting component. I want to pull out and identify interest based on the triggers or things that I see in the environment or in the course of the conversation um, with uh, the consumer. Yeah. You know, I think something else too, with that, like when you identify those triggers, it helps uh, not only be able to offer that, you know, that upsell or that cross sell opportunity. Um, but you could even like, if they don't accept it, or if you don't, if the technician, maybe they're not home, maybe the person isn't home that needs to receive that information. You could have different pieces of collateral in the van mm -hmm. or the truck that speak to that to that need possibly. So I know a lot of companies will just print, you know, two, 3000 door hangers. They're all the same. What if you had a different door hanger with a different promotion for different needs and they all spoke towards that need. So, um, if they were, like you said, if there was an inhaler on the counter and they noticed that someone had asthma or allergies, uh, or they noticed a lot of the vents were really dirty, yep. you could put a, a door hanger up for that one that hits on a, some type of IAQ cell or uh, offer some type of education towards IAQ versus leaving a door hanger behind that talks about water heaters and right. then specific to the, what they might be interested in learning about. Exactly. I, I like to leave, um, you know, a pamphlet on the different accessories that we have again, whether that's digitally or left on the counter or whatever that might be. But if it's something very specific, then we have third party collateral backing it up. So if uh -huh. you're going to speak to an indoor air quality product, Hey, they can see the other products that we have available, but based on the conversation or the observations, I'm going to leave this and here's a recommendation as to why. And, you know, offering all the accessories on one call is probably not going to be effective, but really mm -hmm. identifying what's going to be most important to that individual or that place of business and then leaving third party collateral, which most people can get um, from the distribution that mm -hmm. speaks more specifically to the type of product. So let's talk about in the per, in a perfect world, a, a service call happening, like a, the, the most ideal service call scenario from start to finish. What does that look like? So an ideal service call, um, you're talking about a repair call? 
sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So uh, let's make the, we'll make the assumption they're not a regular customer. We'll call them a new client. So um, the ideal call would start with the call intake and it's a new customer coming on board. We're going to ask some qualifying questions, obviously, to make sure that we get uh, the technician to the home that makes the best sense, whether that be geographically, whether that be skill set or whatever the equipment type would be. Um, during that intake of that call, we're going to we're going to ask them very specific questions. What's the age of your home? Um, I'm going to ask them what type of accessories that they've had installed in, do they have installed on their heating or air conditioning system? I'm probably going to have to add in uh, language with an example. For example, do you have a humidifier? Because they might not understand. Many people don't know you can have accessories installed, installed on your system. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to get really specific. I'm going to ask, you know, what's happening with the system, get a general knowledge. And I'm going to ask them when was the last time they had a, a maintenance performed on their system. So we'll go through our debriefing, explain how we charge and um, how we charge for the work and dispatch the technician to the home. Once the technician is in the home, then we've got a prescribed service delivery procedure and how we approach the customer. Not so scripted that the technician cannot be natural, but we have a, a call flow that we want to follow for them as well. When the technician goes into the home, they start a dialogue with the customer. They introduce information about the accessories. They go to the thermostat first, again, communicating with the customer, find out, um, go to the, the, the customer would take them to the location of the equipment and then they would properly diagnose what the problem is following a uh, prescribed checklist. Like what do we include when we do a diagnostic? Mm -hmm. And then I want to make sure that the technicians are trained on how to do a system diagnostic, not a symptom diagnostic. So what that means is they're not just running in, knocking the customer over on the way to the thermostat to get down and find the one part that needs to be replaced and out of there as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And that they're actually going to comb through the system and find the problem, but also look at what other things that could potentially cause them a failure. Then also be observant based on your trigger training with the with your technicians is be observant to what you see in the home, what accessories they already have installed. If they have an accessory installed on their system, what's the likelihood that they're going to look for something else mm -hmm. if we offered it to them? So after they complete their diagnostic, they've looked at the system, maybe had the dialogue with the customer about the different um, accessories that might be available, then I'd ask the technician to lay out the options to them. Mm -hmm. So what would it take to get the system up and running? What's it going to take to keep the system up and running? So let's say it's um, a contactor. So, hey, to get the system up and running, we're, um, you've got a failed contactor. They'll go through that. And then they might say, but to keep it up and running, we really need to make sure that you're on a regular membership with us. And then maybe there's an accessory as part of the third option. Now, if it was aged equipment, then one of those options is certainly going to be geared towards um, planting the seed for future replacement as well. So mm -hmm. the perfect service call would end with um, getting that customer on our membership program so we can create a lifetime client. And they 
have been introduced, the different options that are available, hopefully have chosen one of those. They obviously performed the repair. And if it's a piece of equipment that's starting to age, we started talking about them about budgeting and planning for that. Then they collect yeah. the payment, you know, of it. Um, Very important. And, and do it in a way and, and have some type, there's so many different types of ways to do this. So I'm going to be really broad, but do such a good job that they're inclined to either write a positive review or mm -hmm. complete your online review or whatever that might be. So we walk away with a positive review and they're telling others good things about us. Yeah. I really liked the part that you mentioned about a, a proper system diagnostic rather than a symptom diagnostic. Cause you know, so many, so many folks listening to this right now, they're aware that usually when an AC breaks or a furnace breaks or whatever breaks, there's, you know, there's only a handful of reasons why it's broken. So many folks are just quick to hop in there, get it fixed and move on to the next thing, which is, mm -hmm. you know, that's, you know, sometimes what you got to do if you're, you know, if you're busy. Um, but like when you go to the doctor and you call in and you go to the front desk and you say, my throat hurts, they probably already know, uh, he may have strep throat. They might have a cold. They might have this, but you go in and they still check your weight. They still check your yep. height. They still check exactly. your blood pressure. They still check all this stuff, your oxygen levels, because there could be something else cuts causing it. But they, it's, you know, you would never go to a doctor and be like, my throat hurts. And you walk back there and they just say, okay, here's some cough drops. Yeah. <laughs> or they're just going to look in your throat. They're not going to yeah. do that. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a lot of the way in which I'll, I'll appeal to companies as well. It's like, you know, when you go to the doctor, what do they do? They take you through a series of tests. So those are your diagnostic tests. So if it goes beyond a diag or their diagnostic, or excuse me, they do a diagnostic, but then if it goes beyond that, like they have a symptom, then what do they do? They might send you for future testing. So we've got to make sure they're really combing, um, combing the opportunity while they're there and get them on a membership. That way we can make sure to, really provide them a high level of care and take care of them. Yeah, that's good stuff. And so that was the, you know, in a perfect world, the service call start to finish. Um, let's talk about what you see most often when you go, like when you're training service departments, um, what does the typical service call usually look like? Well, if technicians haven't, haven't been trained properly and service managers or owners haven't put um, the energy into their service department yet. Um, oftentimes we'll see the knock the customer over on the way to the, the thermostat to get in and out of the call as quickly as possible. And most companies are overbooking the technicians. So when you're overbooking the technicians, what's the result of that? They're not going to comb the system. Mm -hmm. They're going to burn and turn. They're in survival mode. So I see that a lot where we're actually just putting way too many calls on a technician for a day, the day and expecting them to turn the lead for equipment replacement, get a membership, you know, offer an accessory and, oh, by the way, bill them for everything that you do. And so that's the second thing I see behind it a lot is uh, technicians not billing properly for all the work that they performed. Mm -hmm. See, that's the key right there. They performed the work, but didn't bill for everything that they did. And so, you know, we'll see too many calls, which results in missed opportunities. And it also results in callbacks, you know, whether it's leaving the, um, I always know that, hey, well, they left the breaker off during air conditioning season and the air conditioning isn't back on. Well, they didn't follow the procedure because 
the procedure should say, run test the equipment from the thermostat before you leave. So they, they'll start skipping steps. Um, my best friend's a service technician. She's been a service technician about two years now. It's been really awesome to see her uh, progress. And um, recently, um, um, one of the reasons that they have the newer technicians riding with her is because it doesn't matter how many calls she has on the day, during the day, what does she mm -hmm. do? She follows the same process, the same steps every single time. Yeah. Every single time. And so here you've got a technician that's less two years of experience who really doesn't have many callbacks. They're not callbacks related. They wouldn't be callbacks related to rushing. It's just callbacks related to needing more and gaining more experience. Yeah. And so you think about that, you know, those are those are two pretty big items. You know, they're not billing for everything that they're doing and they're burning through the calls and missing the opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, that's a. Uh so many contractors think that we get more jobs in today, then we'll make more money, which on paper, that sounds correct. But mm -hmm. those callbacks will kill your, the productivity of your service department. And actually, you know, less calls in a day done right will actually be more profitable, way more profitable than having to go back to the home three times. Exactly. Well, what's the, what's the uh, impact if they do a great job? What are they going to get from that? They're going to get a lifetime client. They're yeah. going to get a referral. And so, you know, uh, it makes a big difference if we can just slow down a little bit and um, do a quality job every single time. But mm -hmm. hey, guilty as charged. When I first became a service manager, I was like, we need more revenue. We're going to do more calls, <laughs> you know, and we still need more revenue. Let's just do more calls instead of just. So I, I've lived that. I understand mm -hmm. that. And it's really hard to say no when the calls are coming in. Mm hmm. You know, especially yeah. especially if you've come off of a where it's been a little bit slower and now it's really hot or really cold and you're like, hey, it's go time. Let's go. So, yeah, it's hard well, to say no. When you do such a good job like that, the additional the accessories, the memberships, those stuff that sells themselves like it, it, it will it will be a much easier sale. Well, and think about if you're doing an excellent job. And you're very thorough, even all the way down to where one missing point I didn't bring up and how the how the technician um, details their invoice, whether it's in in writing or whether it's a typed invoice is did they add value to the work that they performed or did they just mm -hmm. go replace co contactor mm -hmm. 300 bucks plus their diagnostic and they're out the door. Yeah. You know, so does it explain the story? Does it show the recommendations? Uh that way we reduce those billing complaints as well. If we're very thorough, nothing's yeah. more frustrating as somebody to pay a premium price and the technician, some technicians can do it. They go in, they're out, they're in and out of there in less than a half an hour and they walk away with a $400 bill, you know, mm -hmm. $400 invoice. That's not going to drive that. What did that homeowner just think? I spent $400 for a half an hour. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I used to, but a long time ago, uh, I did some marketing for a pest control company and they specialized in like mosquito control mm -hmm. and the mosquito control treatments took about 10 minutes to complete. And that was the number one complaint that they would see because the treatment didn't take long. Um, but the homeowner would just see your technician showed up at two o'clock. I saw it on my ring camera and they were gone by two fifteen, and I paid you 
120 bucks. Like they were only here for 10 minutes. They would like, that was the only, they were never mad about the service. They were never mad about the customer service or anything. It was always the fact they were there for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, and customers equate what they make to what we charge because mm -hmm. they, they don't know the back end cost behind that. So, and let, and we're not going to break down our overhead cost per hour and our technician wages and, and, and here's how much the part and here's the markup on it. But the reality is, you know, they're going they're going to equate what they make to what we charge. And so mm -hmm. if we're going to charge what we need to be charged to be profitable, especially in this day and age, we need to make sure that we're bringing the value. So, mm -hmm. you know, do a solid diagnostic, do that system diagnostic. Don't burn and turn through the calls. And while you're there, take every opportunity you have to educate them, you know, how their system operates and why it failed. And here's some things that it can help improve the safety, efficiency, and the indoor air quality in your home. And spend some time there. And, and if they get used to it and they're comfortable speaking about those add-on products and services, it'll come naturally and it'll be an easy conversation. It won't be something they're like, well, I can't talk to them about our memberships or our, or our accessories. I just don't have time. Well, they feel that way because that's going to take them another 15, 20, 30 minutes because they haven't really worked on, um, mm -hmm. there hasn't been the training to support it or they're not really comfortable yet. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's like, even when we see a lot of like the bad reviews come in for, you know, even for our clients, it's always, almost always because someone showed up to fix something and it didn't, you know, they fixed it and then it was broken again 30 minutes later um, or price concerns. Yeah because you know they looked it up on Amazon and they could get that capacitor for $12 on Amazon mm -hmm. and they charged me, you know, x dollars for it and that's a 3000% markup. <laughs> they right. equated to money but if and I I read those and I almost always think well that's because the technician probably came in switched the capacitor said here's your bill and then left. Yeah. Well, I also um, made me think about something. I was just working with one of my clients the other day and they had um, they had just recently raised their prices and um, they and in the summertime, you get more pricing complaints. It's just mm -hmm. it's the sheer nature of the number of transactions. Mm -hmm. And and so people start looking things up on the Internet, like you said. And, and I'm like, well, you know, on some of those items, if after you've gone through the script of all the things you provide. And then secondly, hey, I know that you were able to find that on Amazon for $13. Were you also able to Google how much it would cost to have that product installed? or that part installed. And when they, when they pulled that up and the owner did this while we were on one of our coaching calls and he found out he was actually right in the middle. So mm -hmm. the repair he was looking up was somewhere between 250 and $470 on, and it would be like on home advisors or something like that. He said, and so I said, see, so, you know, when you bring that piece up, then uh, it kind of brings, brings the conversation back to, Here's what we're providing with that. We're providing you with our one-year warranty, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. And all those things should be spelled out on the invoice, mm -hmm. you know, and clearly communicated to the customer so that they know what they're getting with the repairs that we do. Absolutely. And so, yeah, like back in season two of the podcast, probably at this point, back in May, I think, I don't know, it was a while back, we had Marcus Sheridan on the, on the uh, podcast and we were talking about stuff like that. Like what causes consumer ignorance when it comes to pricing and stuff like that. And, that was one thing we hit on really, you know, really deep was about HomeAdvisor and Angie's List putting all the pricing out in the internet. And that can cause issues because homeowners are going to go Google it and they're going to see on HomeAdvisor, 
oh, this replacement install should, according to Home Advisor, only be three thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and you're charging me ten thousand dollars, and then they think that it's a ripoff. Mm-hmm. Um, so just you know, educating your customers is is huge, um, and that's what can always that, that can avoid commoditization in this industry is education. Absolutely. And, and, you know, when we're, when we're out on calls, the technicians are out on calls, they got to spend some time with them. Mm -hmm. And when we, when we actually go through different options and create different options for the consumers, you actually will start seeing less pricing complaints. Because for lack of better terms, it muddles the repair price in a sense. Because they're not just looking at, this is what it's going to take for me to fix it. I also have these other options that are available. So um, when you put all of that together, it puts the choice in their hand. And there's something psychological about doing that. Now, that repair price, it, and, it, and it may be an expensive repair, but when we um, showed other things that they could do with their system as well, it doesn't, you, let's say you have to go replace a, a major part and it's $1,200 and you're asking them to spend $350 to keep it on maintenance. You know, that $350 membership or $400 membership doesn't look as expensive as that repair now. Mm-hmm. So I, it's just a way in which, you know, consumers buy 10% are gonna go with the very, very last. 10% are going to go with the highest because it's the very best and the rest are going to be right in the middle. They're going to be your swing buyers. So, you know, if you can prevent present four options, then, then it starts putting um, choices together for them. Yeah. And now, I mean, now if you're a contractor listening to this and you're not already, it's August 1st right now when we're recording. If you're not already like thinking about this stuff as like a good, better, best option, um, you got to get on that because there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff changing on January 1st. Mm-hmm. And so like your better is now your good. <laughs> and so exactly. you're going to have to be able to communicate that, you know, in the home to the homeowner when they're wondering why this used to be your better option. And now it's your good option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now your better option is twice as expensive. Uh, yeah, especially now with, you know, the um, energy code changing and all of the impact. I always say that every time we go that that changes, the price of a system goes up about $10,000. I mean, you think about it. I just look at it historically when there's major changes like that, you know, a new system. And so, you know, I've got working with um, different service departments about making sure like yeah, if their system is over 10 years old, it's OK. Some are even starting earlier. Your manufacturer is out of warranty. We need to start talking to them about planning for the replacement. It happened on my own system. I swear that <laughs> system was only five years old. And, um, you know, technician comes out and um, initially thought it was a, a, a condenser fan motor and it was a DC motor. And I'm like, oh, no, that's that's going to be twelve hundred bucks. And I'm like. I'm like, wait a minute, my system, that should be covered under my warranty. And then I go look at it. I was like, oops, my system's 13 years old now. Oh, wow. And so I start thinking about, you know, having, having those conversations. We've got to keep that in front of the consumer. Hey, your system's 10 years old. Might start budgeting about placement. Uh, you know, hey, new energy codes are coming. You know, start having the conversation. It's just a conversation. Just keep them informed so that they get in a position where mm-hmm. they have to replace their system and go through their options. They're not so surprised. Yeah, absolutely. 
But that's part of what we need to do on every service call is look mm-hmm. at the age of the equipment and start talking to them. The best of the best companies for every 10 to 13 calls they're running, whether it's maintenance or repair, they're turning over an equipment replacement lead opportunity. And they're not doing that by just fix on fail. They're starting to plant the seed earlier in the process. Yeah. That's a really good stat to include right there. Every 10 to 13 calls. I didn't know that. That's Mm -hmm. yeah. We track, we track everything. (laughs) Yeah. Well, see that when you put it into perspective like that, it's, it makes every call that much more important to nail. Exactly. Like that's so many contractors run out there just, you know, we're going to, they don't think about, you know, 10 to 13 calls. They probably don't know that, that type of data. Right. Um, and then they're just waiting for it. They're relying on the uh, inevitable broken system. But if you go into every single service call, knowing that this might be one of those 10, mm-hmm. then you're going to want to treat that customer a little different than you would. <laughs> yeah. And maybe the system is only 10 years old or it's only eight years old. Well, then we got to get them on our memberships. Otherwise, mm-hmm. what other, not that, well, maybe the pest control, but <laughs> yeah. you know, what other industries are in the home twice a year, mm-hmm. assuming heating and cooling, you know, we go out, this is our opportunity to stay in front of them. So we need to do a really good job. And that doesn't mean giving the membership away. Cause if you underprice your memberships, all we're doing is conditioning them that the system replacement is going to be cheap as well. So, you know, if we continue to do a great job, that's going to help increase that close ratio when it is time to replace that system. But we've got to hold them close, got to lock them into our memberships, and we've got to teach our entire team to educate them. Why do you need a membership as an add-on to their service call? And then what are some of the other items that we have in our industry that, you know, that can help make it better in their home? Mm-hmm. I could go off on a tangent about that. You know, you start thinking about other industries that have really, we've let them into our market. Mm-hmm. We've let them into our market. We've had this technology, but they've, but we haven't as an, in, as a whole in an industry done a good job as good as we could mm-hmm. at educating our clients on the different products and services that we have available. So they find it on the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, they find it through Google. They find it some other source instead of from us. Yeah. So, Are you a baseball fan by chance? No, I'm a horse girl. That's my sport of choice, but not a, I, not a baseball fan. I will, however, watch a good baseball game. <laughs> there you go. I know we've got some baseball fans listening to this. So um, just that conversation we just had about, you know, every 10 to 13 calls being a, a opportunity for a replacement. Um and kind of like what we were talking about, where making sure that every single call is run with as much diligence and you know proper diagnostic and and service that that's the next one as the one you would because we all know like if someone called in and said I want a new system, you would put on your A game really quick and exactly. you would be using your you know your tidy technician out there to go sign the deal. Um, when it comes to baseball, when you think about like. Uh, for those listening who love baseball, go look at like statistics from playoffs. The hitters that always come through clutch in games, like in the playoffs are the six, seven and eight batters because the defense thinks the only players they need to worry about are one through five in the Mm -hmm. batting order. And they start, it's like a mindset shift when six, seven and eight come up, they start thinking, okay, these are going to be easier outs. We're going to be fine. But those are the ones that always end up hurting them. So if you can go into every single home, with the same mindset, like that you're going to provide a proper service, proper diagnostic, get them the right solution for their needs. 
present options that they need or may want, provide the value, uh, then you're going to be setting yourself up for success. Exactly. Exactly. That was a that was a good wrap up of all those details. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the sense, you've but you've got to you've got to teach and clo- and and coach your entire team on that process. Mm-hmm. Um, and and don't forget about the installers as well. You know, the installers have a lot of uh, they have opportunities as well to mm-hmm. inform and offer and educate. Um, maybe it didn't happen in the sales process or maybe, um, you know, the technicians or the installers brought something up that maybe the salesperson didn't. They're in the home all day mm-hmm. putting that system in. So it doesn't stop there. So it has to be an entire company culture. So when you're when you're you're talking about that delivery of service, whether it be accessories and other services, everyone needs to be trained if you're going to be creating a culture in your company for that. And so back to your uh, baseball analogy, what do they do before the season, before they start playing games? What do they start doing? Training. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And what do they do? Every year they go to spring training. Mm-hmm. Every single year. What happens if they don't go to spring training? Training. Yeah, they're not making the team. They're not playing. They're not going to make the team. So are we doing spring training? You know, mm-hmm. um, before the seasons, we it can't be a one and done to be the best that you can. Mm-hmm. If you're going to focus on your service delivery or you're going to focus on membership sales or you're going to focus on accessories um, and other add on services, you've got to do that training all year long. Mm-hmm. And it kind of recycles. I mean, think about when you go to spring training, they might change up you know, may, may have a different way in which it's approached, but they're practicing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so got to do spring training. Yep. You and be, continue yeah. it all year, all year, all year long. Sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So that, no, Jennifer, this has been, this has been good stuff. I really, really appreciated this conversation. Uh, we have one question left. This is the most difficult question of the entire show. Oh no. Oh no. Uh, this is a new one. It's a new segment just for season three. You're going to run this segment for a few weeks uh, just to settle a debate that we're having around the office here. Um, are you ready? I think so. All right. Let's see if we have any like suspenseful music on here. What do we got here? Is this. That's not suspenseful about this. Dance pop. Wow. All right. That's There's our sister. music. I'll take that one. All right, here we go. Jennifer. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Definitely no. Why not? Well, I don't need a bun with my hot dog. Oh. Uh, Did I ruin your uh, your exercise? So what? Oh, wow. Okay. Um that's not that's not the argument we've heard before. That's a good one. <laughs> now, I guess I guess you could say it's a sandwich. It says it's meat between in bun. But what mm-hmm. if somebody, you know, it's hard to say. Yes, it was the hot dog, the entire combination of the bun and the the frank, or is it just the frank that is the hot dog? That's that's the new yeah. question I think we need to ask. Yeah, it's the perception of the person that's eating it. Because when you make like a turkey sandwich. Without the bread, it's just sliced turkey. You wouldn't. What call if you it... want to do it as a wrap? Do you still call it a sandwich or do you call it a wrap? Well, I think yeah, I think that'd be a wrap. Now, as a hot dog with the bun, would you consider that to be a sub? I don't think of a hot dog with a bun as a sub. 
What a do you sub think? has lettuce, meat, you know, has a few more things on it. I don't put lettuce on my hot dogs. Yeah. If you're listening to this right now and you put lettuce on your hot dogs, please unsubscribe from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess in the answer to that question, I would say hot dog is definitely not a sandwich because I don't put lettuce on it. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's good stuff. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Um, for anyone out there listening right now who wants to get a hold of you or learn more about BDR, what's the best way to do so? Give us a call or go actually go directly to our website, www.bdrco.com. has a list of all of our training classes. It explains what we do. You can look at profiles on the different trainers and coaches. Uh, talks about our coaching programs. Uh, we've got other educational resources and other other podcasts on there as well, too, that we've done. So um, that's the best way to start. And then uh, all our contact information is out there. 206-870-1880. Awesome. Jennifer, thank you so much again. And I uh, hope you have a great rest of your day. You too, Eric. Wahoo. Thank you for tuning in for another episode. If you're an HVAC contractor in need of digital marketing services, contact us today at www.rivaldigital.com.